Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of So How'd You Get Here? I'm Angelo. And I'm Tony. Welcome to the show. Um, we, um, we're excited to bring a, a special guest to you today. But first, I want to take a few seconds and just say thanks to everybody who watches us on YouTube and uh, subscribes on um, all the platforms. iTunes, Spotify. Google like, Play, subscribe. something else that's probably out there that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's jump right into it because um, our guest today has a tight schedule to keep because he likes to fly planes. Um, I'll give and you a few of his accolades. He's real always quick. working. He's always working. So a few, you probably don't know his name, but you're going to after today, and you definitely have seen his work. He's worked on, well, coming up, Devotion. He's got some skills that he's showing off in Creed Three, uh, Rebel Moon. Uh, Heart of Stone, um, The Gray Man, which, uh, which is out now, Val- which yeah. is out right now. Yeah. So we'll put a nice plug in for that. Um, but um, another small movie that he worked on um, called Maverick, um, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun. <laughs> I'd like to welcome to the show today, Mr. Kevin La Rosa. Hey guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Dude, man, thanks for coming. First of all, thanks for being a paisan, and thank you <laughs> for being here today. Uh, we're gonna geek out, or at least I am a little bit. But um, before we get into any Q and A, do you want to give just a little few credits of your own, or introduce yourself? Tell the audience any movies you want to plug. Tell them what you're on, or what you work, what you can say. Yeah, of course. First off, let me say this is probably the coolest podcast set I've ever seen. Well, thank I've you. Seen thank a lot you. of them lately. This, uh, you guys take the award. Nice job. Oh, wow. All right. I'm gonna give well, you that twenty dollars. I promise. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's a hundred. Actually. Oh, sorry. Like I said, I'm well, if they're giving out, out a, if they're giving out awards, <laughs> we got to find out how to get them. Um, so I'm I'm an aerial coordinator and motion picture pilot, uh, and uh, what that means generally is when the studios need a aviation asset or a stunt or a airplane or helicopter in a movie, they go to an individual like myself to figure out how to make it. Uh, so, and I help them put make storyboards into reality. I help bring in the team and bring in the assets or the helicopters or jets or what have you. And sometimes it's as simple as a aerial shot in a commercial, and nobody would even think that that was a helicopter or a jet or a drone. They wouldn't even know. And sometimes it's like Top Gun Maverick, where it's a year and a half of my life devoted to a, a film, in that case, just an incredible film. Yeah. Uh, and I'm heavily involved with the director and the actors and, and from start to finish. So it's always different. I have two main passions in my life, and that's aviation and filmmaking. And I just I'm super lucky that I get to put both of them together and call it my job. People pay me to do it. I don't I don't tell them I would do it for yeah, free. Right, but, right. but I mean, man, it's pretty Well, t- take us back. How did you how did you get into that? Because I know your your dad was a pilot, your, your grand- grandpa grandfather, was a pilot so too. Yeah. Third generation. The third generation. You've been pilot. flying since you were ten, eight? Two Long, longer than I could remember. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Grandpa was a pilot. Uh, he flew in the Air National Guard, so a lot of really cool military aircraft. That inspired my dad to become a pilot. Uh, my dad, I think, uh, Did he got fly in any wars. Uh, he was Air National Guard, the New okay. Jersey Air National Guard, actually. Uh, and then he was lost in a conflict, a humanitarian effort, lost in an aircraft. Not a lot of info came out there, but that's mm-hmm. how he passed. Uh, but he did give my dad the aviation bug by giving my dad a ride at 16. Uh, my dad actually was just telling me the story. We were at an air show together. Um, and then from then on, my dad got the aviation bug and just followed kind of in his dad's footsteps. Was in the military, but didn't fly in the military, acted as a crew chief. Um, and then when he got out, uh, just was afforded some cool opportunities and got into the movie industry by chance as a stunt pilot and aerial coordinator. So fast. What was, what was the first thing he worked on? I guess it was The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Um, TV show. TV show. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. With Lou Ferrigno? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and it and it was absolutely by chance, which is typically how things happen in the world, right? Yeah. Um, 
but he loved it and he got to fly his airplane on camera and then he did a good job and one producer talked to another producer and all of a sudden it was his line of work um there's a lot more involved in it just of like course, of took course. that into one yeah. sentence we have yeah. an hour but yeah. you, you yeah. make it as um so fast forward to me i, I was uh, lucky enough to be born into a family that just kind of you know eat sleep breathe aviation type thing um i always say i grew up at the airport they own an aviation company so my dad had an aviation company but also did the movie work here uh, here in california here yes. in california van nuys california so that's where i was born raised and lived at an airport and i travel the world for the movie industry but it's pretty funny i haven't gone very far from like my home base right. which is kind of cool well, when um, you're a pilot you probably don't need to ah, it's an airport right there <laughs> that's right uh so growing up as a kid that's pretty cool when you go to school and your dad's on movies and movie credits so uh you tend to kind of like that and the guy became my idol and my hero and i i knew from a very young age that that's what i wanted to do um and uh were you always comfortable in an aircraft like like when you're a kid and you get brought up are you like you're scared shitless there are pictures of me as a baby and as warbirds in helicopters. So, like, I think I just didn't know the difference. Right. Like, that's what I was used to. That was to. the norm. We'd go on yeah. camping trips in an airplane. We'd go get lunch in an airplane or helicopter. So, I just, it was normal. Got it. Um, which is kind of rare, but yeah. that was just, it was like driving a car. Um, and there was only one thing that almost pulled me away from my path. I mean, I knew what I wanted to do. But that was the original 1986 Top Gun. I fell in love with that movie. Who didn't? I, yeah. I wanted to be an F-14 naval aviator. I wanted to be like Tom Cruise. So you were born in 86. So when did you see the movie? I don't know. I just like, it probably was just running in my right. house, like growing up. Same thing as like flying. All <laughs> yeah, of a sudden, yeah. I just knew every word. Yeah. And I'm like just eight plays years on old. a loop in your dad's <laughs> Right? Uh, so that was the only thing in my past I could remember where I was like, Dad, I might want to go fly for the Navy. And he was supportive. He's cool with that. Yeah. But I uh, stayed the course and uh, and just... In one way or another, and just a random turn of events, it's so crazy to have been the guy who worked on the new movie. For the people that are listening and watching that are into aviation or not, like, what's the process? Like, so you're 14. I, I read that you were like logging hours. So you're just going up with your dad or just. Yeah, like, with my dad. He was an instructor. Yeah. So logging time at 14. Okay. I soloed a helicopter and an airplane at 16. I got my license in both fixed wing and rotorcraft at 17. So it's pretty young. Yeah. Um, obviously. Dad opening doors and lots of opportunities. Um, and then I think I got my first jet certification at 19. I was a co-pilot for in, in like Lear jets, like private jets. Um, so here's an interesting thing, and I love this. And I think this applies to kind of what we're talking about today is when I was 17, I was joining my dad on set. And I was washing aircraft and driving fuel trucks. And I was his ground coordinator, which means I had an air-to-ground radio and I'd stand next to the camera department or the director. Yeah translate what the director wanted to my dad in the sky so it's pretty young to be on set but i was getting that what we call set etiquette or right. set experience which is great um and i knew what i wanted to do i couldn't wait to get in that aircraft right i was foaming at the mouth i wanted to grow up so fast and i was just so focused on wanting to be him and i remember i was 17 and i went somewhere with my dad and he kind of pulled me aside wanted to have a serious chat and our serious chat was about my future, and what he told me was not what a 17-year-old who's already in the industry doing what they want to do wants to hear. And he said, bud, if you ever want to be what I am, if you ever want to be a mm. real coordinator and stunt pilot, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have to leave the industry, and you're going to have to go do your own thing. Because if you grow up in this industry and you're just a junior, because I am a Kevin LaRosa junior, mm -hmm. no one's ever going to trust you. 
Uh, and I love him for the foresight to tell me that. I mean, what dad probably doesn't want to have their son working with him every single day. But at some point, my dad probably had a realization, or maybe he knew somebody else in the film industry that was like, you know what, I've seen a junior grow up, and they never made it quite as big as their dad because everyone just said, well, they're just in their dad's shoes, or maybe right. they just got their dad's shadow, right? So bravo to him for telling his son, yeah. his buddy, you got to go do your own thing. And I didn't want to hear it at the time, but I took his advice. What was your own thing, though? Because so, like, you wanted to be him. I, he said, go do every single aviation job you can possibly think of. Go immerse yourself in aviation. Every single bit is going to help you one day if you come back to doing what we want to do. And he said, on your off days, on your vacation days, I'll use you. You come out on the movie sets, be my ground guy, you know, ferry aircraft around the country with me. But one day you'll know when you're ready and that's only up to you. Yeah. So uh, I flew traffic watch airplanes in downtown Los Angeles and around the LA area. I flew for KFWB and KNX and uh, something called traffic.com. Uh, I flew their Cessnas. So that was really fun. Flying in the busiest general aviation airspace and airline airspace in the country just taught me a lot about that. I flew news helicopters. I flew for Channel 7 and 11. Uh, and I flew uh, medical helicopters, like twin engine helicopters for a company called Helenet, who now I'm kind of partnered with today yeah. as well. Um, I flew private jets uh, all over North America, South America, all over the U.S., and I was just trying to get everything I possibly could, and in a giant hurry. Like, I'm here's a young guy, late teen or early 20s, and— So uh, was that essentially your, your college that years? That was my college. Yeah. I, that was—and he basically said that. You're either going to work your ass off or yeah. you're going to go to college, yeah. and I wanted to fly, and I wanted to do what he did. So I worked my butt off day and night. Every hour I can scrape out of an aircraft, every bit of experience— uh, and, and that was the best thing ever. And probably about 27 years old, I had about 5,000 hours and I was just too busy. Is like, that a lot or a little? That's, it's decent. Okay. It's, you know, it's respectable. Yeah. I would, I would say. Uh, and I, I, I was getting the movie calls were starting to come in and my dad had a lot of jobs and I, I was running out of vacation days and sick time at my normal real jobs. And, and I knew one day I said, you know what? I'm ready. It's time. I remember quitting my full-time real job, made that leap of faith to become an independent contractor, which is a little scary. Yeah. No guaranteed income no. anymore. And I never looked back. Um, and I wouldn't have been here without him giving me that advice. So when you were 27 years old and you're, you have all these hours and your dad is now seeing that you put in all this work, 10 years probably, 17 to 27, are you, dad, why don't we just partner up and start a company together? Or are you just, because you said you became an independent contractor. Well, so did, that, well did that's not, what he is. Oh, that's what he is? Yeah, that's what he is. So right? it's not like Kevin LaRosa and Sons stunt coordinating? Not necessarily, okay. no. I mean, we, we, were, we were kind of a team, right? But we, we'd get hired together, or I would back him up on jobs. Um, you know, there's some jobs he wouldn't need me, and there's some jobs I don't need him. It's great when we get to work with each other. Yeah. I feel like this this swap happened somewhere in the last 15, 20 years, where I was the guy on the ground helping make him look good or, or supporting him. Right. And then somewhere later in life, now he's the guy on the ground, or the, my second that comes in to help me make, you know, make me look good on set. And we're a team, and we love working together. So that's pretty fun. And I, and I'll tell you, when you have a good relationship with family like that, like I hate to think that there's a day in my future where I won't get to work with dad. It's just yeah. pretty fun. And is there going to be a day where you pass that baton off to one of your three daughters? I certainly hope so. Okay, uh, okay. I didn't know how you feel about your kids. Flying, I'm assuming you're okay with it if that's what you do for a living. They fly with me all the time. Oh, um, free training it, with dad, right? That's awesome. And it's it's pretty cool. I always had this dream, like I'd pass the baton off to my son, uh, and I was lucky enough 
to have three beautiful girls. Never had a little boy. What but, are their ages? Uh, we have three, eight, and ten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the middle one seems to be most interested. That's Emma. But Ava and Ella, they all, I mean, the young one's pretty young. She's just yeah, happy right. to be around, right? But the two older ones kind of dig it. And we fly over their schools and their friends' houses. And that's kind of what my dad did, right? So if you kind of mix aviation it's with just a little cool bit of a life, flex for most kids. Yeah, they, like, they like that. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm super cool. I know when they're teenagers, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, be cool no. at all and uh, be very you embarrassing. might be a little bit. I'm going to soak it up right now and, and be the for coolest sure. dad I can. Uh, I would love for them to do this. And also, I think our industry has a lack of women in aviation. Um, and I would love for them to carry on our name, our brand, our reputation, and our legacy in the aviation business, especially motion picture aviation. So, But my theory on that is I'll never push them in anything. And my dad yeah. never pushed me. My dad was almost holding me back. I was foaming at the mouthful, right? So I'll never push them. I'm only going to open the doors. I'm going to show them how cool it is. Yeah. If it's something they want, I will be their biggest supporter. And are you going to give them the same advice? Like, hey, you kind of got to go cut your own teeth first before. 100%. Why change something that worked? At 27 years old, when you became that independent contractor, do you remember the first job you got? Uh, no, you know, I don't remember no. the first job. I remember I remember making the phone call to quit my job. <laughs> uh, I was, I was, we were actually uh, working on a movie. It was on vacation, at basically out of vacation days. But I was working on a movie in Atlanta, and I made the call from... The hotel room I was married at that point, so I called my wife. She's like, "You're crazy, but I trust you." Yeah, you know, and kids and a full time job and a guaranteed thing. And I hung up the phone with the company, and I remember kind of, I think I jumped on the bed and probably screamed like out of <laughs> excitement and uh, and fear. And fear. Yeah. yeah, lots of fear. Yeah, uh, but it all played out. Sometimes things work out. Now that job was that with your dad? Uh, I think it was out there on my own at okay. that point. Uh, different job, yeah. And how many jobs have you worked with your dad and? By yourself. Oh, so many. So many. Um, I Too many even, to count. Couldn't yeah. even count. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's working with me uh, this week. He's going to fly. Uh, nice. we got two helicopter jobs. He's going to fly the other one. So when a studio calls you, are they just basically, are they just vetting you like per job or they just know your resume and like, well, he already worked. Obviously, Top Gun probably helps you get into more doors. It's nice on the but, resume, yeah, for sure. But, 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 <laughs> it's not a bad thing. No, but before, well, we saw it and we're like, we'll let him on the show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're like, oh, that's all green screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but before that, before you have the Top Gun and the devotion and all those things on your resume, like you're just basically just pitching yourself for every job or they just kind of know the name? For, for folks listening that understand yeah. the film business, I feel like it's, it's half uh, word of mouth. So based on, on your reputation yep. and how good you've done in the past or people have recommended you. Or, and it's also your skill. So I think based on those two things, that gives us work. Um, for people that don't know who I am, yeah, there's a vetting stage or we're competing or we're putting estimates in and bidding against a competitor. But a lot of times, and I, I'd say more uh, often than not, you're just this, the director or producer says, I want him. I want Kevin. Right. I trust him. I made two movies with him. He always makes us look good. And, and the most important thing is safety, yeah. right? It's yeah. People's lives kind of depend yeah. on some of the stuff we do on set. Is your is aerial stunt coordinating, is that a saturated market are there a lot of guys like you out there it's very niche okay um and i have some great competition i have a lot of i have a healthy respect for my colleagues yeah. and competitors there's not there's not many of us um i'd say there's maybe eight to ten guys that do it you know full-time in the united states yeah. uh maybe there's another 20 in the world so there's not many um and i think i'm one of the only ones that does jet helicopter airplane i even did drone for a while so i i think i'm probably one that encompasses all the different platforms right. uh but it's a small industry and we and you know there's nothing wrong with competition no, i think competition kind of kinda drives drives the world in all the industries 
So you sound like a Swiss Army knife of aeronautics <laughs> yeah. or whatever you call that. What is your call sign? Is it Swiss I, Army knife? I have I have a boring <laughs> call sign, and I, and I and I actually love it. Like so, I'm affectionately called K two on set. And what's the meaning behind K two? Well, I'm a, Kevin ju- I'm a junior, junior yeah. so uh, you know, we, on production sets, we both have walkies, and from there with my dad, someone says, "Hey, Kevin," you know, and we both answer the radio, and it's super frustrating. They never know which Kevin was going to call, so it became K one and K two, and we just kind of left it that way. Uh, I think it almost changed on Top Gun Maverick. You know, some of the ads, which are great friends of mine and just um, amazing individuals. One thing I love doing, I love the creativity of what I do. Right? We have, you can plan for everything, but you really need to be able to take advantage of moments of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You really need to be able to look at a schedule or the assets available and, and be able to sit there and go, you know what? We should do this. This is better. We should do it this way. And um, ads hate that because they like <laughs> make these really cool schedules they spend and all week making a plan and budgets, and, and then I wreck it. So I almost got. Uh, I think it was Wild Card. My good friend Robert K and Christy Kwan. They're like, you know what? You're Wild Card. You really screw with our stuff. That's how I'm introducing you on this podcast. Your lower thirds are going to come up and it's going <laughs> to You're going to try to bring card. back Wildcard? KT. KT. Okay, cool. So that's You it. can be the artist formerly known as Prince. Like, you can have more than one title. <laughs> more than one. On time, top yep. The funny thing about call signs, they can be superseded. And typically in aviation, they're superseded when you really screw up. So, uh, like, the worst part of you sticks to your uh-huh. name. Yeah. Oh, that sounds... it's, like, it's like you're as good as your last landing, right? There are um, a lot of the Navy call signs, and I love them. Like, there's always the PC version of the Navy call signs, yeah. but then, you know, you hang out with the guys, you go to the O Club and have a drink with them, and you really learn the reason why they got that call sign. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm assuming one day I may get a new one. All right. All right. Just keep us up to date. We'll, yeah, we'll I will. update and keep the uh, newest call you sign. You guys will be the first person. Thank you. Thank you. really appreciate that. Can I, um, can I launch into a couple, like, nerdy questions I don't know? Because I understand Bring film it. side, but right. I've always secretly loved aviation, never done it, because... I feel if I make enough money someday, then I'll do it because that's what celebrities do. Like Travolta flies, Bill Burr flies. <laughs> I mean, you flying's cool. Okay, so I do it in a way where I use other people's aircraft because I'm not that level. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's smart. It's smart business plan. How we um, use other people's buildings. <laughs> hey, same. it's the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long? Not not for jets and all the licenses you have. What is a standard process for an average person to go? through flight school to be able to fly like a, a just a civilian plane with a couple passengers? Oh, it's such a general question. My easy response to that, it depends on your time and money. So if you can throw all the money at it and devote a lot of energy and time to it, you get it done quick. I know people that Two have done years, it in five years, like three months to get your private. Like, I mean, Seriously. if you're going to fly every single day and you're going to take all the tests and get it done, I think you can even do it sooner than that. It all depends on how much bandwidth you can put into mm-hmm. it. And uh, price is fifty grand, twenty grand. I think it's fifty or sixty k to get get a private now. Uh, okay. It's been a while, and I'm not a, I'm not a flight instructor. It's right. a rating. I need to get it before my kids are ready to learn because I want to teach them. But I didn't. I never got that rating. Uh, but it becomes more expensive when you start putting it off and not doing it consecutively. So for a lot of folks we know, and like you guys do a ton of different things, you might have to do little bits here, take a break, do bits here. I feel like it's not a great way to do it because you lose stuff. Things aren't fresh in your head. Like right. you really want to just pound it out mm-hmm. and have all that stuff fresh in your head for the test and just get it done. That's the best way to do it. Right. It's cheaper right. that way too. Did all you right. get your helicopter license first? For some reason, well, I say for some reason, but I kind of know why. My dad wanted me to get airplane first. Okay. I wanted helicopter first. And he, he like pounded that, it threw me. Like you need to get your airplane first because it's got a bigger foundation of which is kind of true, like the IFR stuff, you're going to do it, and the jet work that I'd do one day. So he wanted me to get the, the fixed wing thing first and then into helicopter, which is what I did. Was there an, an easier 
test? Like, like, did you think learning the helicopter was easier because you did that other like one the first? Helicopter's harder. I think I think the helicopter's different. Um, okay. And I and I actually like that path. I recommend it to friends that want both. Airplane first, and then add your helicopter on. You can add it on instead of like starting from square one. Got if it. you're already a fixed wing pilot, you're just doing additional rating. And Got do you it. have to do extra additional instrument rating for helicopter that you don't have to in a plane? You do an instrument rating when you start getting into like the commercial license and getting your instrument rating for an airplane or helicopter, which is so valuable. Like if you're going to be private pilots owning your aircraft one day, take it all the way through your instrument because the the skill set and you know the airmanship you're going to get from that yeah. is so useful and safer in my opinion. Right. And um, I'm just going to go down my list because I, I just <laughs> have, Bring it. this is the only time I have yeah. this, someone of your expertise to ask these questions. What is the fastest or highest G you've ever pulled personally? Uh, I got to be, they call it the 9G Club, and that was pretty recently. It was afforded that opportunity because of my work with the United States Navy on that little movie we've been talking about. And uh, they basically said, Kev, you, you did so much for us and you represented us so well. We got a little present for you. So uh, I flew. It's a, up. That's a yeah. curse. <laughs> no, it's bragging rights on the street. I flew up to uh, Fallon, Nevada, which is where Top Gun, the real Top Gun, is based. We did some filming there, and I got to uh, to fly in some Navy jets. And I flew in an F-16B model, which is a Navy version of the F-16 Falcon. And uh, I went out with my friend Chris Papiano, callsign Pops, such a cool guy, old commander of of uh, Nautic and Top Gun out there. And uh, yeah, I got, got to be part of the 9G Club. And let me tell you, it, it doesn't feel great. It's fun. I was fighting to stay awake. I felt like all those guys were like, we're going to make you pass out because you're cool and you were fun to work with. And it's just fun for us to make you pass out and drool on camera with a GoPro or something. Like, I think they just, I feel like there was a mission out there for those guys. And I love them for it. But I fought like hell and stayed awake and high five at the end. Um, and a technical question on the actual movie Maverick. When he, um, Has anyone got to nine two nine three i mean it rips his plane apart in the air in the movie itself so uh from what i've learned what's the record i i don't know what the record okay. is to be honest because I, I know he's flirting with it obviously in the movie i know i know the structural limit and i'm sure there's navy folks who are listening to this i hope i do it justice but i was taught on the movie that 7.5 g's is the accepted structural limit you can pull past it and this is a very cool authentic thing that happens in the movie the movie's full of this is that there's a little paddle on the stick and if they needed to pull through that to whatever, evade a missile or avoid the ground or something that's going to kill them, who cares about bending the airplane at that point? Just bend the airplane or break the airplane and live, right? right? right. Yeah. So um, I uh, that's in the movie. We can see that a few times. They pull that little paddle and then pull the stick all the way back. The airplane will go through seven and a half Gs to whatever it'll go, go to. Um, so that's realistic. When you got that call to start Top Gun Maverick, like was it Paramount that called you? Was it like did you know the did Tom give did, you a did ring? you know the producers? It wasn't it wasn't well, I worked on a movie, it was a Jack Reacher yeah. two, I think. I um I was in uh, Louisiana, I wanna say, and I was working on that movie and I remember walking back to base camp with As Tom. a stunt coordinator? As no, no, what were you doing? Honestly, I was I was flying a drone on that movie. Oh, uh, okay. Uh and I was chasing Tom with that drone. Um and we were walking back to base camp one day and, and I remember him saying, because uh, he knew I was a jet guy at the time. And, yeah. I'd been doing jet photography back then as well, different platform. And he goes, Kev, you know, we're going to make this movie one day and it's all got to be real. It's all got to be perfect and real. There's no other way to do it. No computer generation, no green screen. It'll be real. And that's kind of it for him. But that n- resonated with me. Like I never forgot it because mm-hmm. in my heart, I'm like, man, if I could work on Top Gun Maverick, you know, like, uh, so it stuck with me. And then a 20, 20- 20, I was actually, that was 2014, 2016, I started hearing rumblings of the movie, like, 
we, you know, there were scripts and we were kind of hearing in the news. There was rumblings yeah. of it, right? And I'm like, oh boy, this is this is coming. And I knew the jet platforms that I was flying, which were really cool, but they were they were antiquated. 70s technology, 80s technology, and the camera technology was older and limited. Uh, and I said, you know what? The only way I'm going to get on this movie is if I build something really cool that is better than anything else, and maybe, just maybe, I'll get called for it. Uh, so I, I made a rendering in 2016 of this jet, and I, I went through all these different airframes. I was trying to find something that was readily available in the U.S., that was maneuverable. I knew I wanted to do, like, dogfighting sequences for that movie and fly cameras that had never been flown before. So I came up with this L-39 that's a Czechoslovakian little fighter trainer, and they're imported into the U.S. Saw that on your on your yeah. site. Isn't here. that thing cool looking? Did did nah, just as just for the audience, um, and also you could read the article. Most of the first one was shot through prisms and special rigging. Right? Yeah, and you guys actually for the first time put the camera legitimately the on the outside on the outside that could be controlled. Correct? Absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, one of my idols, Clay Lacey, did the aerial jet photography on the first movie. And that is prisms and going through the pressure vessel of the aircraft. So the image gets degraded when it's going through mirrors. I'm sure people understand that. Uh, and we needed, we wanted to put the cameras like literally outside, like nothing in between them and the F-18s. So came up with this rendering. I took this shot over, which is the latest and greatest technology of camera gimbals in the world. And I stuck it on the front and I told my dad and uh, my wife at the time, I'm like, I'm going to build that. Like, that's what I want to build one day. Um, and, you know. I did what I think a lot of smart people do, and you, you put a team together, people that are smarter than you, more brilliant than you, or have ways or means to make that. And like, I thought of the idea, and I knew how I wanted it to be, so I, I partnered with my friend Randy Howell, who runs the Patriot Jet Team. He's got eight L-39s, and they're immaculate and perfect, and we put a business plan together of, you know, I'd fly the airplane, and he'd help us create it and do the FA modifications. We uh, went to shot over and said, hey, I want you to take your half million dollar helicopter gimbal and make it capable of going 350 knots and three Gs. So that was work on their end. They had to put it through wind tunnel testing and everything. Uh, and then my other partner, Helena Aviation, who, who paid for some of the financial support and logistics. And between all of that, we ended up with two, not one, but two L39 Cinejets. Uh, and they were beautiful and they were awesome. And I still didn't know I was going to get the movie. This right. is all by chance and really cool people trusting me. And me not sleeping at night going, oh, my God, what have I done? And I remember I got, I got a call one day. It was, it was a weekend. I think it was a Saturday. I got a call uh, from some of my friends that were on the movie, already on the movie, and one of the producers. And they said, hey, Kev, uh, we're on Top Gun Maverick, and we're going to do this. And you've been doing jet stuff forever, and we know you made the Cinejet. Do you, do you want to do all the jet photography on Top Gun Maverick? And I like, like, eh. played it off. I was like, yeah, I mean. Well, let me sounds, check my schedule. I'd, yeah, it should I'll work. Like, I'd, I'd love to work on that. It's great. Uh, they said, okay, great. That's awesome. And I was like, cool, guys, thanks. You know, have a good day. And I hung up the phone. I'm pretty sure I woke up all my neighbors within like a one-mile square <laughs> radius. Like I, I screamed to the top of my lungs. I was like, yes, I did it. Dad's um, going to be proud of me. So uh, that was a pivotal moment. I'll never forget that day. It was like goosebumps, you know, hair on the back of your neck. Like when you, when you invest other people's money and people trust you, you come up with a good idea. You don't always know if they're going to stick. And I've had bad ideas that didn't work, right. but I had a couple good ones, and that one worked. Um, and then did I read, uh, the plane has two cameras, one in back, one in front? I did that for Devotion. So on Devotion, we, we stuck a hard-mounted camera on the back. For close-ups of the... For close-ups of the Sky Raiders and Corsairs. You might be thinking of the other jets. So my friend Jonathan Spano, equally good idea, um, about halfway through the movie, maybe about a quarter way in, we got a Phenom, which is a business jet, 
that he owns, and he modified that thing to put two shotovers on it, one on the front, one on the back. So I got typerated in that aircraft, and we brought that in. And having two jet platforms on the movie, like at my disposal, was great because my my counterparts on the movie, which is an aerial director of photography who worked for Claudio Miranda, those are the gentlemen that are actually doing the filming. Like my got job it. is to put the camera platform in the right spot. I'm uh, in in my favorite term, I call myself a meat servo. Like I literally am just putting the airplane in the right spot, and then these talented gentlemen operate the camel ca- so camera. So you're and piloting, it. and you have two people behind you. Or in the one? Phenom, I do. The Phenom, we had two camera systems, so two different lenses at one time. Kind of came back with double the footage. So we had Michael Fitzmaurice and David Knoll. Mm. Those are and, and Mike's actually a pilot, but those are the guys that are operating the camera. I always say those are the brave souls that ride in the back that yeah. can't see where I'm going or what I'm doing. I don't know how they don't get sick. I'd get sick, but yeah. I'm ripping through the canyons and they're seeing rocks and trees go by the window, but they're just pinned into their monitors doing what they do the best and making those amazing shots. Do you have anybody throw up in the plane while you're filming? You got to have at least one story. About yeah, that. we definitely made, uh, we made our, our second unit director sick on a couple occasions and, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. I, I'm telling you, I'd probably get sick if I sat behind me. I can't read uh, in the car. And, yeah, and really like while that driving, either. that gets me sick. I mean, while I'm while I'm flying and looking forward, I never feel it. That, but, that would yeah. never bother me. But yeah. looking away at anything or oh. in a monitor and what you're seeing doesn't like make sense for what you're feeling is really really weird. I saw a couple interviews with Tom, and he was talking about being on set in the jets, and they were teaching like the actors how to because there was cameras, there was lighting, like they had to figure out how to like like the actual actors, yeah, like the Glenn Powells and and those people had to figure out like to do it while they're in the cockpit was that anything was that accurate was that it's so accurate okay. and, and i and i can't give enough credit to well the crew and tom and paramount and yeah. joe kaczynski for pushing this but the cast are the ones who did it every day right uh you know glenn powell and monica and yeah. tarzan and jay ellis and you know miles teller all these all these guys uh they're in there and they essentially have to become an extension of Joe Kaczynski for directing. Joe gives them beautiful notes. We'd go through two hour long briefings. Joe would give them every single story point note. Then they'd get into a buck, like a fake wooden F-18 that we built. And they would run through their lines with the Naval Aviator in front of them to figure out where are we going to be in, in space and time while we're delivering these lines or sequences. They'd rehearse it all on the ground, which yep. is a great way to save money. And then they'd walk out to the jet and they'd go get in and do it. So they'd have to be an extension of Joe. They're their own director at that point, right. directing the naval pilot of what they need. They have to be an extension of Claudio Miranda, who's obviously the director of photography for that movie. Uh, so that means they got to tell their pilots, like, yeah. hey, I need the sun at five o'clock. I need you in a 20 degree left turn. And I need to check my reflections. Like, they have to become a DP. They have to become their own grips and hair and makeup, and they had a mirror. They'd do their own spritz uh, for sweat. For they sweat, would yeah. they would straighten their masks. They would do their own sound checks. They're up there by themselves, and they're doing all that stuff. And At they did 600 it. miles an hour. Exactly. Do you guys it, use knots or miles? Usually knots. I've never flown. That's obvious. In the L-39, <laughs> it's, it's got it's still got like Russian gauges, so they're yeah. clicks. Like I, I always laugh. Like I wouldn't know how to fly an L-39 if it had knots in it. I only know it by clicks. What's the plane they pilfer from dust off in the movie and have to get in and fly away oh well, that's the incredible f-14, f-14. Okay, you know that sure. yeah. yeah okay uh f is it called fa-14 or is it just f-14 i think that one was an either an f-14a or an f-14b based on the nozzles of the exhaust and i'm not in the navy i just got a lot of navy, navy friends but such a cool airplane and such like a tip of the hat to, to the, the first one right. to the first i feel like one, yeah. you know top gun fans are like get tom cruise and we get an f-14 again yeah. and you know somewhat believable yeah because there are today countries that use our old f-14s right so we're not like very far-fetched there right yeah um 
and Tom's an X F fourteen pilot. Of course, you'd be able to get in it and start it up and fly yeah. it. So and land it with no front wheel. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry if you haven't seen the film. It's been out for a while. Yeah, not our fault. Yeah. Spoiler I, by the way, I don't know. Alert. I don't know anyone who has not seen it. Yeah. If you haven't, go yeah. see it. Yeah. <laughs> also, speaking of Monica, who you brought up, call sign. I think Phoenix. Were your daughters on set? Did they get to meet her? Because like, uh, what a cool. I would love for my daughters to meet Phoenix yeah. or Monica. Um, yeah. And we haven't had that opportunity yet, but it is true. Like, I mean. My little girls gravitate towards Monica because right. they see this badass F-18 pilot. And by the way, we had badass female F-18 pilots on the movie, like true badass yeah. pilots that, that were flying on the movie and did incredibly. So I feel like I love seeing my girls and they are most inspired by Monica yeah. because I think they look at that and go, that could be me. And I love that. Well, you brought that up earlier about bringing your girls up. And I'm like, I was curious if they met her. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I need to set soon, that up soon. Monica, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening. We'll send her Monica, you're going to be our next guest. Can I make ask, that um, is, uh, if, if you're allowed to share it, what's, um, what was a dangerous moment or situation that made you go, oh, oh that, was, that was closer than I want it to be, either in filming or in training? Give us a good little sure. five-minute story. Uh, well, before I give you the story, let me first say that you know the term stunt pilot is, is a lot of times what kind of gravitates to what we do for a living. Um, and when people hear the word stunt, they think of dangerous or crazy or wild, you know, mm. it's so far from that. Like the normal flying I do just by myself in my own little airplane is probably more dangerous than the movie flying I do. Mm. Uh, because what we do in the movie industry is so thought out, regular, it's like regulated, yeah. so thought out. It's months of planning, weeks of prepping. A little bit more um, of a controlled it, environment. It's with extremely all, yeah. controlled. Yeah. And it all has to be FAA approved. Like my job is making sure that I meet all of the FAA parameters, yeah. to make sure we're not breaking any rules. So by the time we're doing these crazy stunts, if we're landing a helicopter on a train or flying under a bridge or whatever, it's been practiced and rehearsed so many times, uh, it, you, you're not even worried. You're not thinking about it. I always say, if we're up there and we're scared of something, we've really screwed up. Like, we, And we, we should stop. That's a knock-it-off moment. Like, hey, back to base. we got to go talk about this. This is not safe. Um, my good friend Ferg, who is the naval aerial coordinator on the movie, who's just an incredible patriotic gentleman, uh, who served our country, but he was the guy in charge of the Top Gun Maverick from the naval side. He always said something in the de you know in the briefing at the end, and he'd say, "Hey, if there's any doubt, there's no doubt," and I, that stuck with me. And yeah. that can be used anywhere in life. But if there's any doubt you're going to die or do something stupid, then don't do it. Then we shouldn't even be doing it. So to get back to what your question was, on Top Gun Maverick, we had to set the bar high, right? So we had to push the limits of creativity. We had to push the limits of ourselves, our bodies, physiological. We had to and we had to push limits of the aircraft and what the camera gimbals will let us do. And once we got to that line that met the other line, which is, hey, you go past this line and now you're unsafe. Mm -hmm. But we needed to live right there. So I feel like on Top Gun Maverick, we pushed it right to where we needed to live to be able to make that extraordinary aerial photography and have everybody come home safe. And that's, that's where we lived. And yeah, every single day we'd go out and set, we'd either pinch ourselves or go, holy crap, I can't believe we're doing this or I can't believe we're here. But it was so controlled and it was so well thought out. There was never a moment where I was like, what, why are we doing this? This mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Uh, it was more like, this is crazy, but it's amazing. Did everyone on set, the uh, the actors, did they all get the, the flying bug? Are they all not? Are they all now in it's training? A cool, it's a cool question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenn Powell, who's a, who's a dear friend of mine, he actually got his pilot's license out of the movie. So oh, wow. when we started flight training, uh, Paramount and Joe and Tom wanted to create a curriculum program that turned our our actors into basically pilots. There's, you know, the only reason they look, in my opinion, as good as they do, one, they're just extremely talented. Yeah, right. 
but also they went through pilot training. And and you dunked him underwater, made him do was, all the safety training yeah, military for exiting. Made him, yeah, made him do all that stuff. Uh, but the pilot training was fun because I got to put a curriculum together. My dad and I started him out in Cessna 172s. Uh, Glenn was logging time because my dad was a CFI, a flight instructor. Uh, and then we graduated him into my friend Chuck Coleman's aerobatic program. He has an extra 300. It's like an aerobatic airplane that you know Red Bull would use or something. Okay. And they'd go out every day in those things after the Cessna, and they'd pull Gs, like eight Gs, every single day to build up their G tolerance to make sure they wouldn't get sick. And then once Chuck was like, hey, they're great. They would graduate from there, <laughs> and they'd go into uh, my they're friend. not thrown up anymore. I know. They're, they're, they've reached a limit where they're ready to proceed, <laughs> which is which pretty hardcore. Uh, they'd go to Randy So roller coasters must just be boring for you. They're just not the speed that you're used to. It doesn't do it for us anymore. Got it. Got uh, it. I never thought I was like a thrill seeker or an adrenaline junkie, but- I, I think it's just fun. I'm just born into it. It's yeah, just right. fun. Um, anyway, I digress. The actors then went to Randy Howell's program, which is an L-39, same airplane the Cinejet is, and they got to fly jets into aerobatics, and that was where they graduated into the F-18s. So by the time they got into the F-18s, we're talking like seasoned veterans. They had their yeah. G-tolerance. Their inner ear was ready to do all this crazy stuff. They knew aviation. They could take off and land a Cessna. They were ready. Is this three months yeah. Six months of training? Like, about, what are they? Okay. About three months. Okay. Yep. And I mean, that's super expensive. You think of everything. But if Paramount Studios is paying for me, I will do it every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And if Tom Cruise is telling me to yes. do it, I will throw definitely. Up every day yeah. until oh, we get it. I will yeah. be there. Uh, so, and they just did an incredible job and a huge testament to Tom. That was basically, Tom was the driving force there right. of like, hey, and he knew, like, if anyone could know what acting takes while flying right. in, in an F 14 from like Top Gun, Tom's going to know. And he was adamant, like, no, they have to be pilots. They have to be, they have to understand this before they get in there. I will give you a paper crane hat if I can tag along sometime. You mm -hmm. can take two hats, three, give them to all your daughters. I will pay for my own fuel. Uh, just don't, if, you're, if I'm going to throw up, just don't tell anybody. I have a little, uh, it's a little super decathlon. It's like a little maneuverable aircraft, and I will absolutely take you. Nice. But there's no throwing up in my airplane. Yeah. If you do, you're, you're cleaning it. Nope, nope, <laughs> I, won't, I won't do that. I'll, I'll bring a bag. Um, I read... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that you shot some of this up by Woodby Island. We did. Which is where I'm from. That's Are you really? Port Angeles. Just go Port Townsend Ferry. Why did you move down here? Because none of this is, we wouldn't be doing There's this. no film industry up there. So how did you get here? I got in my car <laughs> and I came in here okay. so I can meet you. <laughs> um, what part of the movie was filmed up there, if I may ask? Because I know Of course you, you may. You if shot I, three different, a couple different locations for the snow and probably. We were all over the West Coast. Um, so the... Final scene of the movie, final act, if you will, where they're in that rogue country, yeah. whatever it is, that's in the Pacific Northwest. And you know the mountain range since you're from there. It's the Cascade Mountain Range, yeah. which we see all the time. Like when we're in Seattle and you see Mount Rainier and you see all that cool stuff, you're like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. But when you fly through those things, it feels like you're not in the U.S. It feels like you should be in the Swiss Alps or something right. like yeah, that. Yeah, the Siberia almost is where I thought yeah, you were. Yeah, it's wild looking and it was like perfect location. Can I ask why there? Is that because of the sub base the, in Bremerton uh, or something other reason? Just no, for looks? The, the main reason was we wanted to find the coolest terrain for that part of the movie. And that that's like everything in the movie is where can we find the best of this? Where Who cares where our support is? Who cares how much it's going to cost to travel there or whatever? Let's go find the best looking stuff wow. and then put airplanes in there. And that was the best looking stuff we could find. That's uh, looked really good. Yeah, because he really he said that yeah that was shot up there. And then what was what was shot in Georgia? Oh, that's Devotion. So, devotion. That was Devotion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another cool Navy movie. Um, I am listening. I just there was one other question I had after I was reading all your stuff. Oh, I'm, rude. Keep chatting. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh there's uh, a scene in the movie that's actually south lake tahoe too it's pretty fun it's that runway that gets destroyed and oh, everything yeah yeah. South Lake Tahoe, just completely redressed. My favorite shot, though, is where he doesn't stop and he takes off with Ed, is it Ed Harris that's there, and the whole roof of that, that little that shack was in Nevada? blows off. That's in, yeah, it's in, uh, Fal- oh, no, that was right in, in China Lake. That's China oh, Lake. Okay. So that's in California. Uh, oh, cool, that shot cool was story. Great. It's amazing. It's cool, but uh, I aged probably five years when I saw that happen, Freddie, <laughs> because that wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't? Uh, no, it wasn't supposed to happen at So all. that wasn't one of the first 80 planned shots? No, no, not at all. I mean, the, so planned shot, and any time we went below 100 feet AGL, typically the air boss working with Ferg would require that we brought in a Blue Angel because blues fly all the time below 100, and they put in a special spring, which gives them a lot of control in the F-18, like the feedback mm-hmm. of how it feels. So they get really precise down below 100. I mean, they're, they just do it every day. So our job, we brought in a Blue Angel. His name was Walleye. Really great guy. And that... Cool Top Gun rule, just digress really quick. Anytime we see an aircraft in the movie fly that's really not flyable in the U.S., like an F-14 or something else, or in this case, a Dark Star you're talking about, the Top Gun rule, primary Top Gun rule, we can never film blank sky. Never film a plate for film people that know what that is. We can never just point the camera in the sky and then the CG artist put an airplane in there because the dynamics are wrong and the vapors are going to be wrong and the lights are wrong and the glints are wrong. And people like us kind of know. We go and watch a cartoon that's not there. So the coolest thing ever is there's always something there, and it's reskinned. And, you know, they would, visual effects, you know, coordinators and stuff would show something to me that I shot. And they'd be like, Kev, what do you, what do you think of this F-14? Mm. And I'd look at it and go, man, it's there. Like, I I've sh- I remember shooting that. I don't remember being an F-14, but I right. believe it. And if we believe it, that's how good it looks. Because yeah. there's a real airplane there. So to answer your question, uh, we rehearsed that take 12 times throughout the day, got walleye lower, lower, and it was like 40 feet all said and done. That was a really cool set, that construction built, uh, that guard gate and that shack and yeah. everything was really awesome. And uh, we wanted to dust him. Like he was going to get jet washed and just dusted because, you know, Maverick's taken off and flying right over him. Right. And uh, it's passed, a flyby. It's a flyby. <laughs> it's takeoff. So got to uh, buzz a tower, Goose. We get it perfect. Now we're waiting for light and the ADs call call in uh, Ed Harris and Ed walks out to set and Ferg and I give him a brief and just go hey here's what you're gonna feel we had a video on our phone from us getting dusted all day and you're gonna get dusted and you feel some wind he had ear protection that we couldn't see and he's just perfect steely-eyed grizzled Ed Harris that we'd all want him to be right he's probably one of my favorite yeah, yeah. just yeah. awesome but meanwhile mind you playing baseball with the PAs like waiting in between takes like that's how cool he is right uh, so the take comes, we call in walleye, Ferg's calling him in at this point, and I'm, I'm standing behind Ferg, and we're standing behind camera, and we're watching him come, everything looks perfect, this is what it's looked like 12 times before, and I don't know what changed, well, I got excited, or maybe put a little extra pop in there, but we got blasted, so much so that that set ripped apart, it blew over the gate, it blew over our poles, but the roof literally ripped off, rotated like 20 degrees, and slammed back down, and I remember Ferg and I were behind the camera, and we were like, <gasps> Like, is that the shot they used? And the director's like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Absolutely. That's in the movie. And we're just like, yeah. un- unplanned realness. And, you know, Ferg's like, oh, Wally, we got it. You can land now. It's all good. <laughs> just like, <laughs> no need to come back. We're good. Cut, check the gate. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was and great. what I do love about Ed Harris is that thing went over his head and blasted him. Like, he should have fallen over. He didn't uh, move. And if you watch closely in slow motion, like, he has to take a little step back, but he doesn't budge. Like, perfect face gets blasted, and it just in true Ed Harris fashion, a badass. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Pretty awesome. Was that, was that it? 
All right, we'll cut that into the uh, into this podcast. Actually, just That's that awesome. little clip so <laughs> yeah. that everybody can see it. That's awesome. And you were there to help do that. Um, uh, did, now, did you have booked devotion before Top Gun wrapped? Because you already uh, were you, already, pre- were you yeah. already prepping. I think we got the call for yeah. it uh, in the Black Label media team. Black Label is a fantastic production company. I mean, they've done the Sicarios. Yeah, and, they're great. Yeah. Uh, and Glenn Powell um, yep. signed on to it pretty early and was like, "There's aviation he, in this he's, movie." He's like, also helping produce, correct? Yeah, oh, he, yeah. Found, he found the story. I think. Uh, well, I think I, I, I don't know the whole yeah, the backstory yeah, on yeah. who producer or everything, but I know Glenn was attached to yeah. it uh, in the lead in it and uh, one of the leads. And you know they're like, "Hey, aviation's involved. Like, got to bring in Kev. Like, Kev's done a phenomenal job on Top Gun." So we got the call for it, and I remember Black Label's like, "Hey, uh, we love what you did. Um, we want everything real like that. Like, I think the world is taking to real practical flying. Right. I think they love seeing real airplanes on camera and stunts. Uh, and let's make that for devotion." But now you're using fifty style. Yeah, airplane. which is so, so cool. So it's like different than Top Gun, but Way different. the cameras that you've created and developed and the gimbals you're talking about now you can use just in right. older, and older a, aircraft. And I'm assuming you can't take the planes with the gimbals to their max speed. It'd probably rip the gimbal off, right? Yeah, it was restricted to 350 knots in the L39 uh, in three Gs, which is a which is kind of a bummer because the F-18s are a lot faster. It could pull a lot more Gs. But here's didn't what you I, say that was a good thing because they could just blast past you? You got it. So there's times where I want to live in formation. That's a story point, right? When we're looking at our actors in the training sequence and they're having you know communications mm-hmm. back and forth. There's plenty of shots in the movie where the, where the audience is in formation with the F-18s. It's fine. We're doing 300 knots or 280 knots or something. But then there's plenty of shots in the movie where those things rip by. What happens when you get this differential of speed? It's really cool. You use compression, which you guys know about. So the foreground's moving, the background's moving, and you're you know tied into what you're looking at, the focal point, and it makes the shot more dynamic. And it makes things look like they're going a million miles an hour. And that's really fun. That's cool. Yeah. So going slower is not necessarily a bad thing. We would use these, we call them blow-bys or fly-bys. We would set up the right background and the right timing. I get the L-39 ripping through a canyon, and I'd have an F-18 rip past me, and the shot's awesome. This guy's geeking out right I now. I am. He, he like, I like... Uh, by the I, way, he's going to keep, you know, hold you to... I'm serious yeah. on the fly. Well, I'm the serious thing is, too. I, well, a lot of my friends, they either worked at Boeing, or they would do private taxi planes just from like that's that little airplane manufacturer they make like small yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. but they would fly cargo stuff from like Port Angeles that has a little private airport out yeah. to SeaTac and friends were pilots and I have a few friends even now that fly and and it's like I feel like all the celebrities or the people that make it in their 40s and 50s they are all like I think I'm going to start flying a plane now or it's riding horses, one or the other. <laughs> it's I'm, like it's a bucket list thing, though. I mean, think it's of a the, money thing. You have to have money to sail. There and to fly is that. <laughs> it does yeah. cost a lot of money. And old, and old horses. Oh, that. that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have to oversee when they're f- the the planes that were set up to record the faces of of the pilots? The I only s- thing I played in that, uh, I played a small role where we took Claudio Miranda's team, led by Dan Ming, who's just like a brain trust when it comes to cameras. Uh, we went up to Randy Howell's place, the Patriot Jet team, and we tested how we were going to make that look. So we used an L-39, and we built cameras looking aft, four looking aft, two looking forward, and we put them into the L-39, which is a different airplane altogether than the F-18, but it was our proof of concept, or in a way Dan Ming's proof of concept, for how it would work in the F-18. Huh. So, uh, And I got to take those out and rip them around and fly around and I got to fly Claudio Miranda in the back of the L-39 and try to make him sick. It did not succeed. Dan Ming went up. So they all got to fly. They probably did. They waited till they landed. They were like, good yeah, yeah. job. Walked around the I'm corner. done. Yeah. I'll leave that to somebody else. While in pre-production, did you fly Tom uh, and show him the camera? Like, 
was I th- that? I'm trying to think. I don't think I flew Tom before. Well, Tom, before Top Gun Maverick. I mean, Tom's already a, a right. well-licensed right. and experienced aviator. I do remember I, I went out and uh, and flew uh, McHugh, uh, like um, Mission Impossible director. Yep. He flew with me, yep. and then I think Tom flew in another L-39, and we did some dogfighting. And that was a little bit of like our proof of concept of like, here's how fun the L-39 is, and here's some really cool angles, and we can do all these things. And everybody, you know, smiled, laughed, and yeah. high-fived, and it's like, yes. So that was fun. How, how nice. do you, uh, one last nerd question, and then I'll be quiet, and I'll let you finish <laughs> the last 10. How do you... Um, how do you get the missiles that shoot out like that? The, are those duds? Are those models? Are those CG? Because so that's the CG. So that's the formula for Top Gun Maverick is all real flying and real assets in lens that are just slightly enhanced by CG. So uh, some of the flares are real. Uh, all of the missiles are CG, of course. Um, you know we didn't shoot yeah. any F-18s down, um, but they look amazing. I'll tell you a really cool story about that. So one of my favorite sequences in the movie ha- happens to be evading missiles towards the end of the movie i don't want to say too much but if you've seen the movie yep. it's yes. a really profound sequence yeah. i find yes. if you look left and right in the theater you can literally find people edging to the yeah. you know edge of their seat there and like holding their hands and and i do the same thing it's just like it's a really dynamic and energetic sequence the gentleman that flew that for me there was there's three of them that i remember it was griff waldo and and fisty and those were the guys at the time when we shot that. And a lot of that was moments of opportunity and creative freedom. You know, we had the boards and we had pre-visualizations of what we needed to go get for the story points for Joe Kaczynski. Um, but when you're out there and you find cool terrain and you get good ideas, you say, hey, let's take this shot we were going to do. And we did it over there. It was really cool. But let's go put it over here. And then let's try it this way. So that sequence in the movie was really fun for me because it was literally me in the helicopter and I was you know, feet away from Mm -hmm. ice and snow and rocks and trees trying to get this cool foreground element, uh, like just swiping through the camera. And it was long lensing onto those guys in between the rocks and snow and me calling, hey, there's a missile coming at your tail, ready afterburner and left turn, pull, 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 and right turn, pull, pull, pull. And those guys are out of energy and you can hear them breathing over the radio as if they're evading real missiles. And then they were worn out. But uh, the footage that came from that is just this wild F-18s full of vapor and afterburners. And I think that's what sequence is so fun. Yeah. It was very natural. Uh, and it was, those guys were exhausted. <laughs> were you part of that canyon shot where you had to go up and then you guys became inverted? Of course. And then it's, came back. It's there. one of my favorite. Okay. Uh, so I, I got to do some following of that and, and, and you know following the guys down in the jets. Uh, that shot, the famous shot in the movie, is actually from the helicopter. I was flying the helicopter there. Uh, and I think David Knoll and Michael Fitzmaurice were shooting it. But those are real naval pilots, naval aviators, with our actors on board, literally pulling up the side of a mountain, inverting and pulling down. And we called it goalposts. Like, we found this really cool ridgeline that literally was a bowl on the other side they were diving into. It was wild. And we just rehearsed and practiced enough where they were literally splitting those goalposts and pulling down the other side. And every time I see that in the theater, you can hear the crowd. Everybody's just like, whoa. Oh, like yeah. we you don't need I mean? to overcomplicate. Like we want, we want this really nice shot of something absolutely wild happening on camera. Yeah. So there's times where you want to put foreground in there and movement and trees and birds mm-hmm. or whatever in the foreground. But there's also times where there's just something stunning happening. You, you don't need to do it. anything to it. It I mean, looked great I mean, as there, it is. There's another shot in the movie, and it's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. Where the F-18s come around a corner over the lake, and they just have these huge cones of yeah. vapor around yeah. them. Yeah. That was Griff, and that was Griff basically out of gas, like saying, "Hey, Kev." Uh, what else you need? I'm like, hey, we kind of got everything on our list today. You're looking good. And he's like, well, I got a little bit of gas. And I was like, all right, dude, like, here's this beautiful lake. Here's this. I was like, send it. I'll get out of your way when you come around the corner. 
Like, so natural is that. I mean, it's just that's that level of trust you get when you fly with these guys for so long. They're like, all right, my trust, Kev, I'll do that. Where was the director and all that? Like, is he is he in a helicopter? No, shooting? Joe Kaczynski's. Is there's in- so many different pods. He's probably working on something else or he's back at base. Got and, it. And we're out basically getting shots. Yeah. Uh, and, and Griff sent it. Like, he yeah. came around that corner and that thing lit up. And I was basically doing everything I could to get out of the way. And when you get those little tails that come off of fuel, is that from dumping fuel or hitting a speed? Or... I love that you brought that up. I think it's accidental. And, you know, the naval aviators can comment <laughs> come on, and, and tell me. I know me. you guys know how to do that. So <laughs> most of the time when we see the vertical stabilizers on the F-18 venting looks like vapor. I yeah. think that's fuel. And it has something to do on certain jets with when they neg- negatively load them and positively load them. It'll leak a little fuel out of those things. We never activated a fuel dump on this movie as far as I know. But uh, there were some jets in particular that would vent more than others when they would fly in that way. And it always looks cool. It's it just more dynamic. Awesome. It just looks and badass. How do you get that? It looks like a force field that kind of appears for a minute before the supersonic or something. And well, that's what punch. happened. That's what happened to Griff. I mean, it happens to do with temperature, dew point, atmosphere conditions. There's I mean, he's just things. prior to going through Mach 1. Right? I mean, he's right at the limit. Looks so cool. It's awesome. You hit 1.21 gigawatts and 88 miles per hour. <laughs> Absolutely. And you are going to go full send. What are you? Uh, what are you excited to work on now? Like, what do you got coming up? Uh, there's a lot of projects right now. Um, we have some big movies we're gonna do next year. Working on some exciting smaller projects now. It's always something different. One that's near and dear to the heart. Another one with Glenn Powell is actually with the Blue Angels. Um, we're doing their 75th anniversary. I was hired by the production company that's doing it. It's more like a, like a documentary style. It's a documentary. Okay. However, this documentary is gonna play in IMAX theaters. Wow. So it's gonna be cinematic quality. You know, the Blue Angels are, you know some of the best aviators we've ever seen in the world, the level of precision that they just operate on from literally brief to debrief is yeah. intense. It's crazy. And uh, and there's tons of cool footage, but we're going to we're gonna shoot it cinematically and let the world kind of see them in a way they haven't seen before. So was Maverick kind of like the breeding ground for the tech you're going to put into this documentary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many lessons learned and cool technology that popped out of that that we can apply. And there's always, you know, you got to kind of try to raise the bar every single time. Yeah. Man, can can I friend you on Facebook? Will you? Will you <laughs> yeah, accept I'll, I'll accept you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, Netflix uh, uh, right now, The Gray Man, Ryan Gosling out. Devotion comes out November. Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Think, think, think right. Uh, Creed three also possibly same time, and then you're looking at down the road. Uh, Rebel Moon that'll be That's with Zack Snyder. Snyder. That's huge. Yeah. And Heart of Stone, which is more Netflix, Gal Gadot, who we also had Ross and Thurber on a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. Who works with them as well. Um, so it's a small world. The more more teams of people I meet, I'm like, y'all know the, the people that were just here. Yeah, that's so, cool. I feel totally inaccurate, you know, inadequate compared to them. But yeah, it's well, awesome. We pitched you pretty hard to him, so yeah. I think he's going to give you a line <laughs> and um, maybe even a, a close up in the in the movie. Sweet, I'll be ready. Do you do acting? Actual seeing your face as you and saying lines. So that was actually my next question was like, do you want to act more? The first time that I'm going to participate in something like that is actually two weeks from now, on a on a little project. Um, I think well, this is practice for you. This is great. Yeah, yeah this is helping. Uh, it's something I never saw myself doing, but growing up in the film business, you kind of get this passion just for filmmaking of all different aspects yeah. of it. My true passion is aviation. Uh, but for me, this works out well because it's an aviation little proof of concept. Uh, I probably can't talk about it anymore Don't or else they'll fire me and I'll never get yeah. to work on it. But it'll, um, but it'll be fun. It's something I've never done before. And I got some really good buddies that uh, are actors that are kind of giving me some tips and some stuff. Uh, you know, I... 
I'm not really, I don't think I'm conditioned or practiced for that, but at this point I'm just going to have fun with it. I think it's a very cool role and it's something I'll be proud to be a part of. But my past like acting is all ridiculous one-liners. Like I'm flying a helicopter, like we're one minute out or something like that. It's just those, you know? It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, do you start somewhere? it's, It's fun. It's great. And my kids think that's, I mean, the kids could care less how much I fly a camera it's like, Dad, when are you going to be on camera? Like, yeah. when, when you get, like, the stupidest little line or whatever I do, they're like, you're so cool for that. So. Because when they hit pause on Maverick and they go, that's my dad in that plane, this big out there. That's not the same as uh, getting to see you. I get it. Dad, can you get on iCarly? <laughs> <laughs> are you an animated voice somewhere? Yeah, that's great. Now, the is it your own company? Or are you just still just Kevin LaRosa? They just hire you as an aerial I am through through. I'm just Kevin LaRosa. Yeah. I'm an aerial coordinator, motion picture pilot, hired independently, Got and it. I become an employee for the production studios. Uh, I do have a preferred team I work with. I mean, just like in any industry, yeah. you find people that make you look good. I like you to say I, I find safe, yeah. people that are smarter than me that you know make our team what it is today. So yeah, in any given movie, when I you know get hired to do something, it's all about surrounding yourself with that amazing team that's going to make you look good and also give the customer something amazing. Um, but there are companies that I'm partnered with. One of them is Helena Aviation out of Van Nuys. They've been around for a number of years. Um, we run a lot of production equipment through there. Did they help you develop the gimbal? They, that... they helped me develop the Cinejet. Um, okay. and, but they also owned part of, used to own part of a company called Shotover. Shotover is a great company that I work with all the time that makes that gimbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Patriot Jet Team, my friend Randy Howell. That's another partnership with Cinejet that I, that I love. And that's given me so many opportunities um, and again, my friend Jonathan Spano, who owns the Phenom 300. So uh, the industry is about relationships. Yeah. It's about being a good partner, a good business person, good ethics, because it's such a small industry. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't have room to, to really screw that up. Well, can you, um, any any plugs, handles, how do people find you, follow you, uh, worship sure. you, send yeah. you? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. not that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's uh, Instagram is where I try to put a lot of behind the scenes. been having some fun with that. So that's just K2 La Rosa. Letter K number two, then LaRosa's L-A-R-O-S-A. That's cool. I'll put that up so, right now. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm on Facebook uh, Facebook and TikTok and uh, websites, uh, www.k2larosa.com. I try to throw some fun stuff up there. Uh, so that's that's basically who I am. At the end of the day, I just love aviation. I love being on film sets. Uh, uh, I got three beautiful little girls. I was going to say, it sounds like you're an awesome dad, and I'm excited for, for them. Who knows? They might be... The next Phoenix oh, man, in a I movie. Would, I would, Top Gun 3. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We're about an hour, so we'll probably keep it to that for now. But um, once uh, once you fly a few more things with Tom or whoever, we'll we'll have you right back on. Yeah, uh, right. It would be an honor. And we're going flying. Oh, holding you I'm to it. I'm taking you up on that. By well, the way, if and when you get sick, I'm going to remind you that my eight and ten year old daughters. Why were you so positive do not, about? Don't get sick. Yeah. When I do robotics. Great. So now I have the pressure. So you're gonna have to live up to that. Oh, it's gonna be an embarrassing day, but I deserve it. Okay. Can you put the cameras in your plane so we could all watch this? Yeah. And when I come back yeah. on the podcast, yeah. I want to like put the footage up yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. My, my face looks like. Yeah. 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 One eye. I probably have a seizure or a stroke at the same time. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, tuning in again to another episode of So How'd You Get Here? Um, I think that's all for today, unless you have anything you'd no, like to I, add. Listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. We do. We learned it. so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Was pleasure. Awesome. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, that's it for this week, and we will see you next time. Have a good one, everybody.